0: Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Gray's in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode thirty-one of Geekitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. It is a review episode today, so again, we are joined by Ray Vargas. How you doing, Ray? How's it
1: going? Glad to be back. Pretty,
0: pretty good. I'm glad to have you back. It's, it's been a while. Yep, as always. <laughs> Well, we've got a lot to cover, so we're just going to dive right in. Um, We're going to talk about how uh, we kept it geek this week. Uh, If you want to know about Ray and his background and everything, go all the way back to episode one. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, Ray, what did you do this week?
1: Um, Well, I'm going to include weeks since it's been a while since we've uh, touched base. But I've done a lot of geeky stuff, actually, as I was – Preparing for this uh, episode and kind of compiling what I've what I've been up to, I realized, oh wow, I kept it super geek. So, um, kind of proud of myself for that.
2: Um, <laughs>
1: I recently attended um, a, a show at the at the Wiltern in um, uh, uh, in L. A. called Bob's Burgers Live. So, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Bob's Burgers, and um, myself and and my friend got to go see the live show. Which was really really fun. Um, we're huge uh, uh, Bob's Burgers fans, so we were totally geeking out the whole night, getting to meet the voice cast and like seeing each of them do stand up, and then seeing them uh, do like a live table reading. It was a lot of fun.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, also, um, we've talked a little bit about every time I'm, I'm on this uh, podcast with you, we talk about uh, what's going on in my life and you know my, my work and, and whatnot. And so I've been telling you that, you know, I'm I'm working as an admissions counselor now at the art school that I graduated from. And so recently we moved into new offices. And so this was my opportunity. I've never had my own office before. I've never really worked in an office environment for this job. So I'm now I now have my own office and I was allowed to within reason, you know, decorate my office the way I saw fit. It is an art school, so, you know, there's going to be paintings going up and artwork. And so I got really excited because it was an opportunity for me, of course, to represent my inner geek <laughs> and, and to really, you know, hold it down for the geeks, you know, in, in art school. Um, it's a Laguna College of Art and Design, which is in Laguna Beach. Um, and so we're, we're a traditional representational uh, school. We're known for, for that approach to art. And so we've got a really prestigious, you know, really successful, uh, fine art program, but we also have animation and we have game art and we have illustration, which is, you know, the major that I graduated from. So it was really cool to put up my Avengers drawings and, you know, my, my Star Wars prints and whatnot that I've collected over the years and really represent, you know, those artists that, that are still doing great work as well. Maybe don't get the spotlight in the same way that, that painters do, you know?
0: Right, right, absolutely. So that's a
1: lot of fun. I've got my cat my Catvengers print up in my office that my friend bought for me, um, which, you know, I'm really into my cat, so she kind of found the perfect gift for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've got my, a really cool Darth Maul piece up that's like, it's like Darth Maul illustrated in the style of like old samurai, like uh, tattoos, you know, tattoo art. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so my, my friend Pat Cornett uh, illustrated that. And so it's a really cool thing to look at every day across uh, from my desk. Um so yeah so I I put a lot of thought into it as you can tell I can talk about <laughs> <laughs> stuff that I put in my office uh for for way too long um I started reading World War Z thanks to your recommendation years ago this is this is kind of how it works for me is that you recommend something and I go that's great I put it on the list and then 5 years down the road I go hey Remember that cool thing that you mentioned to me back then? Yeah, so I started reading that, and I'm really blown away by it. I mean, you gave it high praise, so I was already kind of coming in with high expectations, and it, it's exceeding that even, so.
0: That's awesome. I always love when a, a friend of mine starts reading World War Z, because I just think it's such a it's such a unique book. It's so well done. Yeah. And um, – I I I was just I was glued to it. I I think I read it in like two sittings.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read it. I started it on a recent work trip uh to Louisiana. And so I read about half of it uh, on this trip as I could because there was a lot of work going on. But I haven't picked it up since I've been back, and I have a feeling it's going to have to wait. I'm so busy. It's going to have to wait until I'm on another trip or something like that where I'm kind of, you know, have have downtime in an airport or something to read it. But it really did blow me away. I love the way it's it's um kind of set up, you know, the storytelling devices that are being used.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: really cool. I uh highly recommend it um and then just I actually got myself into a comic book while I was in New Orleans actually um really cool comic shop I wish I could think of the name now actually I'll, I'll make sure I have it by the end of the podcast so I can give them a shout out um but uh, I picked up the the new Black Panther series uh I finally caught up to Hawkeye which was uh, recommended by many people that I know that that love that title. Uh, so I picked up the first trade. Um and it was just cool to be in a comic shop again and to like, you know, be catching up on the industry and buying stuff and you know, I found a a, a coffee shop not far from it and kinda had a seat and, and just dove right back into that world and it's like I never left. So that was a lot of fun.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, no, I I'm real I'm I'm looking forward to next week because uh actually probably won't be next week, it'll be the week after, but the um Hanna Barbera cartoon um comic books are coming out Uh and I've already got them on my pull list those are the first two comics I've put on a pull list in ages and I'm like jonesing to go in and go I want my pull list (laughs) (laughs) that's great it's been too
1: long yeah yeah pull list wow I think I'm heading back that way so I'm I'm pretty excited about that I feel like I'm taking it back to basics you know it's as artists they tell us you know you're going to develop your style and your techniques as you go, but always make sure to come back and, you know, you want to brush up on, on the basics, your basic skill set every now and then just to make sure you don't lose those. And I kind of feel like I'm doing that. You know, we're so spoiled with, you know, with, with X-Men Apocalypse and we're about to talk about Civil War and all these cool movies and all these great properties that are being used are are, are coming out now. It's like I'm going to take it back to – Going to the comic book store, buying some issues, sitting down, and diving in, you know, where it all started, basically.
0: That's the way you got to do it. Yeah. That's the way you got to yeah, do it. Yeah, exactly. And so then, um, anything else? Anything else that you had? Uh...
1: I mean, I can keep going, Joe. Um,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um So, uh, I finally finished Daredevil Season 2. Um, Very
0: cool. Me too. Okay,
1: good. Because the last time we talked, we were both kind of in the thick of it, right?
0: Right. Well, actually, I don't I, – we may have just started it. I don't know that I, – I think I may have seen one episode and you'd seen two or three. Okay.
1: Well, I'm interested to hear what you thought because uh, I remember you had some – some. there was some trepidation when we talked, and you you were wondering if it was going to go in the way it kind of started. I, I liked it. I didn't love it. Did you love the first season?
0: Um. I really, really, really liked the first
1: season. Okay, so maybe this iteration of Daredevil maybe isn't like you know hitting all the marks for you.
0: Yeah, I think it's well. It's just it's not. I mean, I like him, and I like I like all the elements. I don't always know that I care for the way they get put together. I think again, it's and people are gonna get tired of me saying this. I think it's a product of pacing over a set number of episodes, hmm. and I feel like. If this was eight or nine episodes, it would have been perfect. Right. But I feel like there were a lot of slowed down beats that were just kind of pulled and drugged drawn out that didn't need to be. And so that's that's just kind of my my thing. I think you know, I liked all the the battle scenes and I liked all of um I I think uh Punisher was amazing.
2: Yeah.
1: Punisher I'm glad we agree on that. Punisher
0: was Freaking amazing! Yeah, and I I wanted to see um more of that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna spoiler I, I for anybody who's listening, if you if you don't want to know what's going on with Daredevil Cover yours. <laughs> yep. um, but I'm glad that Karen now knows that it's Daredevil uh, Matt's Daredevil because I'm just over the secret identity <laughs> thing. I'm just <laughs> done with it. It's like it's just unnecessary angst. <laughs> just tell the freaking people. That's great.
1: <laughs> um, what do you think about what they're doing with Karen's character though other than that? Um It was it was unexpected for me that they, that you know, her arc sort of took that turn.
0: I I like her because she's her own character as opposed to a character in Daredevil. Okay. You know? Yeah. I don't I don't feel like she's she's superfluous or that she is just there to be his romantic foil. Sure, sure. Um, and so that, that is what I I really like. And I love the actress. Yeah. She's I great. think she's, I, I loved her in True Blood. Um, I, I, I could watch her in pretty much anything. And I know a lot of people found her very whiny in this, but I didn't really, I, you know, I feel like Foggy is still whinier than she That's is. That's
1: interesting. Cause I don't really keep up with the, like, um, all the different takes, I guess, you know, if I find something that I enjoy, I'm just going to keep enjoying it. Like I don't need to check in, I guess, you know, with the community mm-hmm. at large to see if I, you know, to see what their take is. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think part of that just comes from me just being so, you know, in in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm kind of removed, uh, from the, the geek community at large and what's going on. I mean, I try to read up as much as I can, but for the most part, I'll I'll hear about something, it'll go on the list and then I'll either enjoy it or skip it, you know? Um, Right, right, right. And so, um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't find her whiny at all, actually. Um, and I was kind of hoping to see her go into radio. You know, I think that's what she did in the comics, right? She was a uh, she was on radio on uh, uh, she was uh, uh, a an anchor or, or DJ or something, and that's how her and Matt kept in touch because he could hear her anywhere he was in the city.
0: Oh, I hadn't. Uh, I see. I don't know that much about Daredevil from the comics. Okay, I, I, she was never one that I followed. I
1: read a couple of arcs, and and I know that she was on the radio at that point. So I don't know if that was something that was just for that time or what, but. I, I, that's what I was kind of hoping it would go towards. I also think they, they miss Ben Ulrich, uh, who, who they killed off in the first season.
0: Yeah. He added a lot. He did.
1: He did. And I was really surprised when he died because he's a major character from the comics. Yeah. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see, I mean, you know, there's this kind of, uh, um, tension between the Marvel television properties and the movie properties, and mm-hmm. now that we know they're going to be doing Spider-Man again, I wonder if Ben, who was big in the Spider-Man comics, he's a major character in those comics, I wonder how they're going to reconcile that. They're just going to completely ignore it and just say, oh, this is a different thing or, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's probably that they've just kind of paired off the, the different directions and, and so they won't bring in Ben. They'll keep it with J. Jonah, Jonah Jameson.
1: Maybe they're maybe they're laying the groundwork for phase five with Scrolls, maybe.
0: <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, let's hope not <laughs> I don't see that ending well for anybody
1: uh, you know what though I kind of agree with you about I mean I loved season 2 I thought it was great I really enjoyed it my one gripe is exactly yours is that it's just it's too drawn out I feel like the end of, of season one and now the ending of season two have kind of fallen a bit flat for me. They've been a little bit anticlimactic where they do such a good job of introducing all these themes and all these story threads. And they do such a good job of keeping them interesting and kind of like elevating everything and ramping everything up. And, you know, things get like very like intertwined and it's so great. And then you're obviously you know at the end of the season they're going to wrap this stuff up or or you know tie up all these loose ends and and hopefully deliver some kind of you know climax but it always it it's both times now it's felt anticlimactic not that i would i mean i'm still going to watch i'm still anticipating season 3 or whatever they do next but you know that's just kind of it feels a little bit like they set themselves up for something more impactful than what ends up happening
0: yeah well and i think this is very much a transitional season i think it was a season that introduced characters and yeah yeah, and um and moved the plot forward that way i don't think that it was um you know i think it was a means to get electra in and to get the punisher launched
1: right yeah that's true and i mean punisher's gonna be getting his solo so that's pretty awesome
0: yeah yeah and is it john barenthal yeah yeah he's phenomenal oh my
1: god so good
0: they got the perfect guy for punisher yeah. No, he's, he's phenomenal. And uh, I, I get very tired, I think, of um, those situations where one person is just irrationally stubborn and won't move from his position, and you're just like, there's no compromise here. Why are you – but with him, it was just kind of like so in the character and so well motivated that I was like, y- y- "You, don't have to do anything you don't want to do, pal. Yeah, <laughs> you, definitely. you do you." He's,
1: yeah, exactly. He did. He did stick to his guns, pun intended. Um, but but he kept backing it up though with reasons. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just exactly. When thought, just when you thought they were getting to him and he was gonna cave or move on his position, he like doubles down. You know? <laughs> conviction. Yeah, conviction.
0: Yeah, and then the other thing that I absolutely love about all of the Netflix movies and I hope she continues a uh, a long 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 run with them all is is it Rosario Dawson? Oh yeah. Yeah. She's phenomenal. Yes. Like great. I just I just loved Night Nurse and this one especially and they were talk about how that you know now that she's not working at the hospital, that's gonna like are they writing her out? And I hope that's not the case.
1: No, I think actually she's gonna be at least what I read is that she's gonna be a major character in the Luke Cage
0: series. Oh, that's awesome! Because she's she's like I could watch a series about just her dealing with these crazy vigilantes that keep landing on her doorstep. Oh
1: man, that would be great. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so last but not least um I I, I did uh get to spend some time with uh, my friend uh, Matt uh I think Matt Haley he's a he's a comic book artist uh he's a you know a, a, he's been a professional in the industry for many years he's he's an illustrator like myself but he's he's been doing freelance for for a long time um don't he's not so busy with comic book work now but he's got a ton of great stories so anytime i get to hang out with him it's a lot of fun because um like recently we attended the same art show in hollywood i think it was last week and so afterwards mm-hmm. uh he's like hey i know this great place for drinks and dinner we should we should go and i'm like okay and so we follow him over there and we're sitting down and I'm like, this is a great place. I generally, no offense, Hollywood, but I'm not crazy about, you know, all the touristy stuff around there. And we're sitting right. in this really great uh bar, restaurant, and I'm like, how did you find this place? And he's like, oh, I used to come down here with the DC guys back in the day. And I, I did like a triple take, like, wait, what? What?
2: <laughs> like, oh, yeah,
1: back, you know, when I first came to, to LA, you know, and I was doing work for DC Comics, I, you know. Uh, uh, this is where we would meet and hang out and stuff. And so he just, he told me some great stories and it was like, wow, I was geeking out so hard. So that's so (laughs) so, cool. So yeah, Matt, you'll get a shout out at the end of the, at the end of the podcast, Matt. But yeah, so, so that's another one of the things, another one of the ways I, I kept a geek this week.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, it sounds like you've had quite the uh, the geeky adventures recently, which is him. nice.
1: I gotta, you know, I gotta balance out the office gig, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but yeah, yeah, it's been fun
0: for me. Uh, it's been busy. It's been really, really busy. Um, this last Saturday, um, we did a live stream from the Mysterious Galaxy Bookstore in San Diego, and it's a beautiful bookstore, absolutely gorgeous, and it was so. Cool to be able to sit down and talk with all these authors about their work. I I interviewed like thirteen people, wow. and um, and so those are going to come out over the next two weeks. We're going to publish those, but it was it was neat to. I mean, not all of them were geeky. I will be I will be very honest. There were a few that were mystery authors that were just there promoting their book, and they were like, sure, and and so you know you were you weren't getting the geek vibe off of a lot of these people, but. Um, some of them were just like you could you could tell when we clicked into the geek mode <laughs> like we stopped talking about whatever they were there to promote okay. and we just started geeking out about whatever they liked yeah <laughs> and um and that was that was fun i was i was going back and editing it a little bit today and i just some of them just made me smile because it's like this is what I love about about doing this podcast is just talking to people about stuff that they enjoy, yeah. because we're all just so passionate about that kind of stuff.
1: It, it makes me think of what used to happen in teacher meetings when I was subbing at your, your school, <laughs> and, and you and I would just get get on a, a like you know on a certain topic yeah. or whatnot, and then just geek out for the next ten minutes, and everyone just kind of patiently wait for us to you know do our thing. <laughs>
0: But that was that was the big thing. I've played a lot of uh, Heroes of the Storm. Uh, I've catched, been catching up on Arrow and the Flash. Um,
1: How the Flash is is they're in season two, right? Yes. Are they? Is it towards the end of the season two now? Or yes. Okay, because I'm waiting patiently.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: patiently for it to be on Netflix.
1: Yes, I love <laughs> season one. Um, I just got completely hooked. And so i've I've trying to avoid spoilers um I've caught a glimpse here or there of you know kind of this character is the main villain right now and so on and so forth um but uh I've been hearing you know mostly good stuff but some mixed reviews also mixed takes um so i'm i'm but I'm anxiously awaiting getting to, getting to catch up and, and see the show so
0: yeah, I think they've done a good job with the flash this season and I'm really the the arrow feels like it's picking up a lot too, okay, you know, I know sometimes i. I bag on it and 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 say that it, you know, you watch it for Steve Amell and that's about it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but well, and Felicity's uh, jokes, she's awesome. And it's and it's it's had dark low moments this this season where I'm just kind of like it's too much angst. Well, it's too much.
1: Overall, dance. it's a darker show than Flash, right?
0: It, it is, but I, I feel like sometimes unnecessarily so. Like they're not they're not angsting out about like, real stuff, although they, they do that too, like, you know, who the bad guy is or what the bad guy's done. Yeah. But it's kind of like everybody keeps these secrets. And it's like, how many times have you kept a secret and it's blown up in your face? Just stop keeping secrets. <laughs> like, this this is not a hard formula to figure oh, out. yeah. And so it feels very much like, even though every time he keeps a secret, it blows up in his face, we're going to have him keep a secret because it causes tension. <laughs>
1: no. Oh, the comic book fan that wants their characters to grow and change. It's such <laughs> a Do you know the medium? <laughs>
0: yeah, so I think I think now it's starting to. I'm hoping th- they they seem to be maybe moving him towards a realization of not dwelling on the darkness in his life and starting to dwell on the positive and and you know the the group of friends that he has surrounded himself with and so hopefully, you know at least the rest of this season and next season will be a little bit more of the we can do this, let's be awesome, and a little less of the Life sucks. Why does everything happened to me?
1: <laughs> now, is this are are does the same team run both shows? Yes. Okay. And and so without getting into spoilers, um I've heard that season two of the flash is a little darker than the first season. It,
0: it is. It is. And I think Arrow tried to start Off a little lighter. Okay,
1: but just the it's just the you know preference of
0: this creative team, or maybe it's just the language that they speak in, you know? Yeah, and I mean, every once in a while you realize, oh yeah, this is on the CW. (laughs) Like that's that's I mean that's what it comes down to. We're (laughs) we're doing this plot because we have to have the pretty people (laughs) upset at each other, and you know, I love you, but we can't be together because. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I mean, I hate to say that because I really do like both shows, yeah, but every once in a while you have to call a spade a spade and say you're you're pulling a classic CW story plot here. Did
1: you um have you just uh, given up on on Legends of Tomorrow or
0: um I will probably go back and watch it when it goes on Netflix. We just got so bogged down with so many things that were um coming at us as far as TV we wanted to watch. And, and Matt was not a fan. Okay. So um, we, we decided that was one we were going to let go and I was going to catch up on oh, over the summer.
1: Cool. cool. I think from the trailer that I saw before it came out, it seemed like a really, really, really ambitious show.
0: Too many characters. Yeah. It, it really falls down to too many characters. Two or three. And any time you deal with time and the whole thing's based on time, right. like you could just sit there and go plot hole, plot hole, plot <laughs> hole, plot <laughs> hole. And of course you would. Well, I, I'm not usually okay. Usually, I'm not the one. Usually, it's Matt sitting next to me, rolling his eyes, going, "Well, that makes no sense." And so, but when I'm sitting there, going, "Plot hole, plot hole, plot hole," then because I'm I'm totally the guy who can just sit there and go, "Okay, I'm going to turn off my skeptic brain and just enjoy <laughs> this because it's superheroes hitting each other." And I was like, "What? Wait, that doesn't make sense." And it's not okay. <laughs> no,
1: I, I, I'm sure you're. You know, <laughs> you've you've done this enough by now, but I. It sounds like fun to to watch this stuff with somebody who's you know completely out of it, you know, and 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 n- is able to kind of like just see the the parts where it doesn't add up because they're not so invested in like the superhero tropes of the thing or whatever.
0: No, not really, <laughs> not really. Because I feel like you were gonna say that. I'm <laughs> Because the thing is, is, is when I do want to turn off my brain, and you've got, well, that doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> then you're like, but it doesn't have to make sense. Yeah. It's cool.
1: For this. The next time I'm in Palm Springs, we're going to have – we're going to do a drinking game. We're going to have a, a geek slash normie-like view <laughs> something, and any time that there's you know, a, an inconsistency or a plot hole, we can have it up for discussion – and if we're able to adequately explain – if the geeks are able to adequately explain the plot hole or say – cover it up and say this is – it's not a plot hole and here's why, then they got to – the normies got to take a drink. But if we're not able to do that, if we have to admit, yeah, that's that's a plot. That's a glaring plot hole. Then we have to take a drink.
0: I like this plan. I like this plan. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep the, the, the guest room open for you because <laughs> I think Matt's going to win that oh. one because he doesn't back down. <laughs>
1: This is going to be great. I
0: know it. Famous last words. This is going to be great. <laughs> All right. Well, we got to move to the news or we're never going to get yeah. to the, the movie. <laughs> One quick mention, just because I love anything Scooby-Doo, um, is there is a mystery machine for sale. <laughs> and it, it's not even really up for sale. I think it just needs $5,000 to get it running again.
1: I, and selling it for $5,000.
0: Yeah, well, I, I don't. I think he's giving it away, and you have to pay five thousand dollars to get it running.
1: Yeah, again. to fix the header because it's cracked.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, the 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 big thing this is the reason why. There's two reasons why I am not running out. Well, three reasons why I'm not get, running out and getting this. Reason number one: I have an hour and a half commute, and this would not survive that. Two: We're we're renovating my my house, and I don't have money. <laughs> Not even the $5,000. And then three, uh, the owner is uh, very cool in that what he does with this is he'll cosplay as Shaggy, and he's got a big Scooby-Doo doll. Right. And he has friends that will dress up as other characters from the show, and they'll go to, like, children's hospitals and and things like that. and he wants somebody to take this that is going to continue to do that and use it as a way to bring smiles to people's faces. And while I am all for bringing smiles to people's faces, this is not something I want to spend my weekends doing.
1: It, it must be bad timing with the house repairs because I'm like, wow, when I saw the article I was like only five grand Joe, I'm surprised Joe's not all over this.
0: Oh yeah. No, I mean, I, if, if even, even if it wasn't for, um, the, the money thing, <laughs> Um, the commute thing, and the uh, he's not going to give it to me because I'm not going to take it to children's hospitals yeah. thing, <laughs> you know. And I think that, and please don't think that I'm being sarcastic about the, <sighs> you know, <laughs> I'm not being a horrible person by saying I don't want to do this. <laughs> I'm just saying I know me and I know how busy I am, and I would not be going to, <laughs> I would not be using it to its full extent.
1: I wonder how. Uh, I wonder if he's looked into maybe like rental services. Like, how cool would it be to rent the mystery van for? a weekend.
0: You know? God, I want to go back to my high school prom <laughs> and go to prom <laughs> in the Mystery Machine. How awesome would that be?
1: I'm thinking how amazing would it be around Halloween to go, you know, do a group cosplay thing with, you know, the cast of Scooby-Doo, and then as you leave the
0: party, everyone <laughs> watches you climb into the and <laughs> <laughs> drive away. <laughs> oh... <laughs> There's so many reasons I there's so many reasons why I want this the, the mystery machine but I I you, damn being an adult I'd hate being an adult.
1: Did you notice the line in the article that says that he also has a replica of the Jurassic Park Jeep?
0: No, I missed that. He has
1: a replica of the freaking Jurassic Park Jeep from the first Jurassic Park movie. Ugh.
0: I know. <laughs> this guy How do these people adult? Like <laughs> Very
1: right or very wrong, depending on how you look at it. I, I,
2: I
0: I think I've, I've missed, I've missed the boat somewhere. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna move on. All right, let's do that. All right. So you put this one in. We got a new Han Solo.
1: Yeah. Officially. I mean, I'm ready for you know geekdom to, I guess, go up in arms over this. I don't know. I'm sure it was gonna happen no matter who they cast. But, um, yeah. Alden eh- Ehrenreich, I guess. I don't know. That's, that's, uh, I, I'm probably butchering his last name. Um, but he was in Hail Caesar, uh, which was the, the Coen Brothers, uh, film from last year. Um, mm-hmm. I never saw it, but apparently he did a really great job. And so, uh, the article that I read, and, and I, and I kind of agree with this take is, if, you know, if you're trying to recast, if, if you're trying to find, the new Harrison Ford, you're doing it wrong. You know, right, right. it's Han Solo. It's more about the attitude. It's more about the swagger of the character and, and how that balances out with the, with the charm. You know,
0: mm-hmm. and if you
1: get the right young actor that can do that, then you've succeeded.
0: Right. That's. I mean, the fact is, I mean, I've seen pictures of the the you know Han Solo when Harrison Ford was young, and and this guy, and they they he he look he's a good he's he passes. Yeah. You know, looks wise, he passes. Um, I'm sure he's going to do a really good job with it. I think we just need to give (laughs) – we we need to hope that uh, geek culture just gives him a chance and lets him do his thing.
1: Because, you know, that's what geek culture is known for, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be talking about that in a little bit.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right, right. Uh, But, I mean, I'm more excited about the fact that uh, Lawrence Kasdan is working on the script. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm excited about, um, uh, Miller and Lord uh, direct, as a directing team because they've done some great stuff. I loved, uh, the Lego movie. I thought, um, 21 Jump Street was a great example of taking a really bad idea for a movie and making it as good and as funny as it possibly could be. <laughs> could be. It's you, know, so <laughs> you know? So, uh, I really like what these guys do, and so I'm really excited about the team. Not, you know, it's, it's not just about, uh uh this specific uh actor, although obviously casting is, is hugely important, but I'm excited about what the team, you know, can do. Especially and this is something I didn't list but I wanted to talk to you about. Especially after basically losing my mind after seeing the trailer for Rogue One. Yeah. Um wow. Wow. I am so
0: pumped. <laughs> well I, I I think we have to Take a moment and remember that we are now in a world where we will be getting a new Star Wars movie every year.
1: I, I just can't. That's, I can't. uh, wow.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's insane. Who would have ever thought? I know,
1: right? Oh, God. I just, uh, in, in, in another article that I sent you today that, that we're going to be touching on soon, uh, there's a line where the writer says, you know, I'm, I just have to, you know, reconcile the fact that I'm sitting in the movie theater watching, a scene in a major big budget movie where spider-man is crawling across the helmet of ant-man
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: in his giant man form and this is a thing that exists that's happened that i'm
0: watching wow. yes yeah no it's it's such an amazing time to be a geek I, like people just don't even understand yeah
1: what are you complaining
0: about yeah <laughs> Don't jump the shark. We'll get there. We'll get yes, there. True. So, so uh, yeah, I'm excited about
1: you know I, I'm giving this a chance. The the, the Han Solo um, uh, movie. I'm I'm giving wanting to give it a chance. I was skeptical about Rogue One um, just as an idea, as a concept for a film. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I thought I, I like the director. Um, uh, oh, I can't think of his name now, but he also directed the recent Godzilla movie, and that was okay. It was a bit anticlimactic, but it had it had some good things about it, and so uh once the trailer came out though they did such a good job with that it uh it reminded me a a lot of it was very serious it was more like I almost got like you know butterflies in my stomach about like their mission I'm like I got scared you know like (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm, which I
1: wasn't mm -hmm. expecting to to you know to to for them to be able to to bring up that vibe but you know uh uh Beginning of Same Prior Ryan kind of vibe, you know, where you're like, "Oh my God, this is not going to be good," you know. Uh, right. Th- yeah. So I was I was really surprised in, in a good way about that.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be pretty, pretty phenomenal. Cool. Um, so I put the Black Widow movie in here. They're they're committing to. Marvel is committing to that they, they have not planned or implemented yet, but they are committing to a black widow movie. It's
1: like the promise ring version of. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think
0: that's the perfect way of putting it. <laughs> um, it, it it's funny because on la- last Thursday, I recorded the mother's day episode that we just released on uh, Saturday with uh, my friend Mandy And we talked about how they just need to do a Black Widow movie. And Fandango did a poll and 48% of the people who answered, you know, which Avenger who hasn't had their own movie, would you want to have a movie? And, you know, we're just like, we need, we need a Black Widow spy movie. We just need one, make it happen. So obviously Disney Marvel heard that episode before I published it on Saturday. Because on Friday, uh, the information came out that they were indeed committing to a Black Widow movie. So I'm just putting it out there right now. Right. You're welcome. It is based on our unpublished podcast that this decision was made.
1: Good job there with, uh,
0: yeah. with the Donnie Darko-type you know, time
1: travel uh, exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: Yeah, I'm, I mean that sounds great. I think that this character has a lot to owe to – you know the fact that they've done so much with her character, they've done so much with her storylines and her and her and her individual pathos as a character um, in all the the movies that she's been in. I mean, she made her debut in what Iron Man two, which
2: mm-hmm, oh mm-hmm. wow,
1: okay, I forgot about that actually until I recently you know read up and reminded. Oh yeah, that's right, she was in Iron Man two, um, yeah. and you know John Favreau directed that. People have their you know complaints about that film. I liked it, um, but she was definitely like one of the coolest parts of that movie. Um, and then Josh Whedon, of course, obviously, you know, you could tell – you could just see the affection that he has for this character you know, in right. both of the Avengers movies that he did.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it's definitely a good a good move. I can't wait to see what they do with it. Um, we'll talk about Black Widow and my feelings about her more when we get to the, the main event. Ooh, but, cool. Nice. Yeah, leave, leaving leaving that there on the table. Um, you brought up – uh, Doctor Strange, and we have talked about it on the show before, but I want to hear your take on the trailer. Uh,
1: Doctor Strange is a character that I was never really fascinated by growing up. Um, I liked the costume a lot when I was a young artist, kind of training myself how to draw just from, you know, looking at comic books and stuff. Um, <laughs> but as far as a character, he always seemed kind of, and again, this is me, you know, as, as a young kid learning how to draw and being into comics and stuff. He seemed like, like the old guy, kind of. in the Mm -hmm, the marvel mm -hmm. universe you know um very reserved and a little too stiff and stuffy for for my taste uh, growing up um and so it's not a movie that i was particularly i know like a lot has been written and said about how uh kevin feige uh you know this is his favorite character and this is uh the character that he's been wanting to make a movie like you know this is this is what it's all about for him right
2: Mm -hmm. um
1: and so we knew it was going to happen eventually um it wasn't something I was greatly anticipating, but having seen the trailer, I, I really like, um, again, and this could just be a thing of where now the industry is just getting so good at making the trailer because there have definitely been films where I enjoyed the trailer a lot more than I actually enjoyed the movie. Right, right. Um, and so, uh, uh, yeah, I was I was surprised in a very good way by the trailer. I liked I really enjoy when uh, uh, they take these, like, kind of hokey, kind of out-there concepts for, for characters or for stories and then give them this, like, gravitas, you know? Um, and so I like the direction they took with the trailer. Um, I really enjoyed the imagery. I love that they just went, and I'm hoping they, they do that more so in the, in, the, in the film, where they just go for that Steve Ditko, like, really oddball, you know, uh, a view of the world. They kind of like take in what, what, uh, what was done in Inception and take it even further than that, and I think that's what a character like Doctor Strange needs. That's what it calls for. If you
0: don't- well, because it, it is very psychedelic, exactly. 70s drug culture. Yeah, so yeah. so yeah. If,
1: you, if you don't leave the Doctor Strange film going, whoa, that was bizarre, then they kind of didn't do their job. So I was glad to see snippets of that in the trailer. I'm I'm excited for it, and you know, we're, we're of course taking this with a grain of salt because you and I are geeks. We're all geeks here, so you know, <laughs> it doesn't take much right. to you know to to for us to to be hooked on something. But I was surprised, and, and I'm excited to see it.
0: Well, and it's funny because absolutely everybody I've talked to about this. I talked to um, I had a couple of guests on my show that we've talked about it so far. I was on. Um, um, I remembered it better, and I, I talked to their hosts about it, and we all we all start the sentence the same way. I've never really followed the character of Doctor Strange. It's not really somebody that I know much about, but and it's like everybody starts. nobody knows this character. Yeah, that's so true. He's got such a devoted following, but I
1: feel like it's all like – you know, dude, dudes in the, like like burnouts in the '70s who were like
2: oh, Spider-Man,
1: <laughs> screw that kid shit, you know. But then they're like on LSD, tripping out on you know <laughs> Steve Ditko, and they're like, yes, this is my jam right here. So
0: <laughs> yeah, I th- I mean I know I think everybody knows Doctor Strange from his appearances in other people's comics. Yeah, yeah, totally. you know. I've- so it, it'll be it'll be ex- exciting. I I'm. I can't wait as we slowly put the puzzle pieces together of the Marvel Universe and how it's all going to fit. People are starting to um, – now that we've got Captain America Civil War, people are starting to kind of try and predict how um, they're going to put uh, the Infinity War together. And, and every little – every every new movie, every new character that we see is just kind of another piece in that puzzle. It's so cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, one thing that I want to touch on uh, real quick before we move on from Dr. Strange is that I'm really glad to see the conversations that are happening around casting and around uh, whitewashing the characters, right? Yeah. Um really glad. I mean, to be honest, this is kind of, not that I'm giving it a pass in any way, but I feel more than anything, it's just kind of like par for the course, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was pleasantly surprised to see people taking Marvel to task for this because I feel like they're kind of operating, you know, business as usual. And now we're seeing that that's not going to be allowed going forward. And no, you know, so, so this is great. While, while they might have missed this casting opportunity, uh, the fact that they're, that it's, that it's a story means that it's, it's more than likely it decreases the chances of this sort of thing happening in the next one, because they know People are paying attention, you know. They're 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 gonna critique our choices and so we need to be mindful of these choices. And I I really uh and happy about that.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's way past time that we start mixing it up. Yeah. And you know, there it's I, I understand that there's a little bit of this um tightrope that they have to walk as far as taking old characters and casting them non white yeah. because there it wasn't a lot of diversity when they were first written. And when
1: they were first written, some of the diversity was not the most positive depiction, you know what I mean?
0: No, no, exactly. Yeah. And, and so I, I understand that people are like, well, you know, Iron Fist should be Asian, and it's like yeah, then you've got the faction that's like, well, he's not in the comic book, you know, right. and and that's, you know, I understand that that's a little bit of a, a tug of war there because you know I think um, There's a lot Samuel of- Jackson's Nick Fury is phenomenal, yeah. and I think it's everybody's kind of default at this point. Yeah. So it shows you can do it.
1: There are a lot of things was- to be juggled here. There's a lot of different strains having to, to have to work out in in these. Uh, you know with these choices that they're making
0: like you said it's it's opening up that conversation and it's kind of holding them a little bit more accountable and they can't just make these decisions without stopping yeah. for a second and going okay yeah we maybe need to to look at this from a different angle I mean
1: truth be told I love Tilda Swinton and I think you know from a certain point of view she's actually a really interesting choice to play this character you know
0: oh absolutely
1: absolutely and so nothing against that you know because i i would actually agree with it from from that certain point of view but when you understand what's being still sort of like not considered and left out of the equation you realize oh okay well you know you can see why people take issue with this as they should you know
0: yeah no absolutely absolutely so i i think it's it's a very interesting time for film. Yeah. I, I would be – I will be interested to see what conversations we have from five years from now yeah. and where, where we are in all of it. And hopefully it's in a very different place. Tell
1: me about it because it's not too long ago where – I mean we can bring up some, some comic book stuff that was going on in the late 90s, early aughts where it's very cringeworthy
0: now. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: It's nice to see that we're kind of uh, exponentially you know uh, learning and growing and, and kind of being more aware of the choices we're
0: making, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And talking about um, diversifying casts, um, the next item we have is uh, they're starting to release teasers about what characters may be in the New Mutants movie. And as far as X franchises go, uh, the New Mutants are my absolute favorite comic ever. Really? I love New Mutants.
1: That's so interesting to hear. Um, I am still catching up with my, um, and Miles explaining the X-Men podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm right in the thick of where they've now introduced new mutants and X factor. And so they're talking about these two, they're sort of jumping between titles between those two and also uncanny, um, you know, episode to episode. And, um, I came to comic books right, right when new mutants made the change over to X-Force so, right. so I, you know, unfortunately missed the whole New Mutants era uh,
0: because we got Liefeld. Yeah,
1: exactly.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: so, so um, it was. It's, it's interesting to hear from their perspective on that podcast, and and more and more people actually saying how much New Mutants meant to them, and how you know near and dear those characters are. So, you know, I feel like I've also the, the writer that I follow, Drew McLeanie, on 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 HitFix. Um. His same thing when he started talking about this topic, you know, that was in the news recently. And now to hear you say the same thing about these characters, it's really fascinating to me how much these characters resonated the way they did with so many people. Well,
0: because what I did is I started around the same time you did, so I got the whole X Force thing. But then I wanted to know more about the characters, and I went back, and they were actually one of the few that I tried to collect the whole run of, Mm. and still, I think, have most of the run, you know, buried in my. My Grandma's Closet. I, I loved the take on how the characters changed. They, they're really, because they were brought in as children, mm-hmm. and not really even teenagers. I mean, they were really young. They were 13, 14, 15. They changed so completely in X-Force yeah. and and were forced to kind of look at the world in a different way than the, the adult X-Men. And then later on in in New the new X-Men were brought on as faculty and, you know, yeah. you could really see them. I think where, you know, Kitty Pride is one of my absolute favorite characters. And a lot of people who are, I think, you know, five, 10, 15 years older than us um, really look at her as kind of their intro character. Yeah. Into yeah. the, into the series, the new mutants were very much my intro into the X-Men universe. And so, um, right kind of having them grow up with me was kind of, I think, the draw.
1: Right, right. And that was always, from what I hear, that was always uh, Claremont's vision for X-Men was that these characters were always meant to grow and progress and eventually, you know, graduate from the school and move on and then the new batch would come in. And that was supposed to be something that always happened. They weren't anticipating that, you know, X-Men would blow up the way it did thanks to you know right. his uh, the the creative teams that were working on these titles and so uh new mutants was you know supposed to be his way of continuing to do that and then you know so so you that's why you get the the arcs that you're talking about the the character development and
2: whatnot
0: yeah and so the the characters that they're bringing in are uh cannonball and mirage which were the the big leaders of the of the group and then sunspot who is Awesome. Yeah. Um, Magic, who's Colossus's little sister, and um, Wolvesbane. So it's it's pretty much the classic group. They don't have Karma, but you know, it's basically the first six minus Karma. And then they're bringing in Warlock, which anybody who doesn't know who Warlock is, he's kind of this alien robot,
1: organic thing, organic robot, yeah,
0: that can turn into pretty much anything. And he's just, his whole charm is learning what it is to be human and trying to make sense of this world. And my guess is he's going to be our entry point in the movie right. into this world because he's, in, unless they go, he's actually a mutant, you know, a human mutant, in which case I'm going to table flip. What,
1: <laughs> what's amazing to me is that we're going to possibly see. Bill Sienkiewicz, one of his most outrageous and just out there character designs,
0: brought to life.
1: Like, we're, we're going to watch a Bill Sienkiewicz drawing, basically like walking and talking in a movie.
0: Which anybody who doesn't, like, seriously, whatever you're doing right now, if you have, um, you know, put down the podcast, go to an internet browser somewhere and look up Warlock. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because he doesn't look like any other comic book character you have ever yeah, seen. Yeah,
1: it's like a scrib. He's like a scribble, but he Sinkevich. It's like a beautiful scribble, the most beautiful dynamic scribble you've ever seen.
0: Yeah, he's he's very Groot shaped, <laughs> but <laughs> but const- but if every portion of Groot moved, yeah, simultaneously. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I mean, yeah, I can't. I mean, obviously, you're hearing the the inner art geek come out right now, where I just can't stop praising bill Sienkiewicz and you know how he like redefined what comic book art was at the time yeah cool so i i like Ileana rasputin as a character um and that is mainly because of age of apocalypse um when that whole story came out i was heavily heavily into generation x uh chris uh bachalo or or but Boc- i think it's bachalo Um, he was my favorite artist for years and years and years, and so I was really into their, you know, that the the, their arc that took place during Age of Apocalypse. Um and Ileana was a major part of that whole plot point and, and Colossus as well. So I fell in love with that character during that time. I had no idea that she had this whole history and backstory as magic in this this character who's, you know, um and and so hearing about her miniseries on on uh, Jay and Miles' podcast, I'm like so interested to go back and, and discover that character and where she came from and that read that whole story.
0: Oh, well, right now, if you're following, uh, if you were caught up on Jay and Miles, they have they're in the middle of Inferno, which is basically oh. her her story arc. Oh. the the new The new mutant side of that crossover is all about her. That's great, and. I don't swear very much on this podcast, but there's no other way of saying it. Magic's life is fucked up.
1: (laughs) Right. Yes. I mean, she grew up in like demon limbo world. Like what? Uh, yeah. And that's, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm excited to see her in a film, especially in in the new, new mutants movie, especially if they cast who, uh, rumors have been saying they cast, which is the young woman who was in a, a movie recently called the witch, which blew me away. Such. I'm really into horror, good horror done. Right. And, uh, the Witch was a great movie, and so if they get the young woman
0: who, who was the lead in that film,
1: as, as rumors have been saying, then I'm going to be doubly
0: excited. Yeah, that's awesome. I like to – if you ever told me that they were going to do uh, – again, with all of these properties, if, you're, if you ever tell me they were going to do a new Mutants film, I would have splaffed. <laughs> and and now I am so – like <laughs> – I, I may have tear moments when watching this, and I just – you know. The last two articles we're gonna we're gonna squish together because a we're running out of time oh, and b <laughs> they both kind of um deal with one another um I think a couple weeks ago Paul Fag um basically just kind of let into the geek culture community and was basically calling everybody names and calling them assholes and saying that basically the internet is bullying people into thinking that his movie is going to be awful and they're not giving it a chance and they're and and he's he's upset because he feels like the the lower elements of geek culture are kind of taking over and asserting themselves on the rest of us and then you pointed out a article in which you know would you want to explain your article that you yeah. posted in here so i mentioned
1: earlier drew mcweeney is a writer a film writer and critic that i follow um and uh he posted on his blog over at HitFix, uh i think yesterday um this really interesting article that uh, touched on a lot of the same topics which is and it's kind of a conversation that's been you know happening now lately um well, overdue conversation for sure and and his article the title alone is if nerds won the war for pop culture why are they so angry all the time <laughs> and and yeah. i think but you know what, what he's talking about again is is what you said that segment that segment of nerd or geek culture that is just angry that is just you know kind of the bullies you know and and as paul faye said you know in his statement every every culture every subculture has their bullies and you know Unfortunately, they tend to be the most vocal group you know within that larger group, and so they're the ones that get the attention and that's not what geek culture is about
0: right and and I think I mean this is again this is another reason why this is a big reason why I created geektitude is because it's it's not about geek culture shouldn't be about who's right or who's wrong or who's you know who's better. It should be like, I like this thing. Do you like this thing? You like this thing? Alright, let's like, let's like this thing together. Oh, you don't like that thing? Oh all right, well let's talk about why you don't like it and I do, because that's an interesting like yeah. that's an interesting conversation. And that's what that's what this podcast is built on is that dialogue of, oh, I don't know anything about that. Tell me about it. Oh, I really don't care for that. Why do you like it? And and there's segments of our culture that just don't don't do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I can tell you, as a huge sports fan, those conversations happen all over different subcultures, you know? I mean, that's half the reason why, you know, people love sports is because they get to argue about, you know, uh, uh, why this team is better than that team or why this player is this. No, they're not. This is the greatest. This isn't. But these are all, you know, we call them arguments, but they're all like really fun, interesting Uh, uh, conversations to be had about the stuff that you're into, whether it's the X-Men or whether it's the Dodgers, you know? Um, But, of course, there are those, that segment of of those fan bases that just, for some reason or another, are not able to have a, you know, a coherent, constructive conversation about, you know, disagreeing with somebody.
0: Yeah, and your article by Drew McQueenie uh, was heartbreaking. Right? Like, as I'm reading this, this article, the, to, you know, definitely go and read it because I think it's a, a great read, but it's basically talking about how when he was in, I think, fourth grade, he basically threw this kid who was a, a fellow geek and could tell that, that this kid was a geek, um, threw him under the bus so that he could, you know, he could become popular. Yeah. And we've all either done this or had this done to yeah, us. Yeah, totally. And, and you can tell he feels awful
1: about it. I mean it. talk about betraying your inner geek to the core like this is, <laughs> this is a yeah. very literal very literal example of the kind of battles i feel a lot of us have or have had growing up where it's like the thing that you know brings you the most joy is also when it's when it's you know used as a source of ridicule towards you the thing that you almost hate about yourself Right and so
0: yeah, absolutely. And so
1: that becomes the thing that you hate in others when you when you recognize it in someone else because you're not at peace with your own thing,
0: you know. Uh, This is this is a this is a coming out story. Like it just is. It's like if if you haven't had this because of geek culture, you've had this because like true. Like this is why so many people who pass anti-gay legislation are passing anti-gay legislation. So true. Just saying so true oh my god yes Uh, but Uh, like uh, good for him because this is this is something that a lot of people would just push down into into the 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 darkest recesses of their memories so that they didn't have to deal with it and and he was just like this is what i did
1: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly it's one of the reasons why i follow him as a writer because he dives deep in that way Um, And some people, you know, they prefer to just stick to the thing, but, you know, stick to the topic at hand. But to me, the topic at hand, you know, when you're talking about, you know, pop culture and movies and comic books and whatnot, that on its own, that really doesn't, you know, carry a lot of weight it's it, it, it we all have our individual stories and reasons why we connect to these things and so for me to be able to read somebody who is that's what they do as a writer is they're you know constantly reconnecting to their own experience that's what gives me you know that that's what motivates me to come back again and again to, to read his work is because he's doing that
0: and so ultimately the the idea is is like his his whole point is why can't we just stop fighting and start enjoying what we love right Like he's had this very visceral experience where he kind of did what he's complaining about and he he recognizes it for being wrong. And so, you know, his call is to stop, to just stop. Yeah. So I guess at the end of the day, what we're saying with this is just, you know, be kind to your fellow geek. Go back and read this article. It's phenomenal. Yeah. It's in the show notes. Yeah. And and, and go back and read the article and. If you know people who are doing the the fighting, tell them to back off. Yeah. <laughs> tell them to calm calm themselves.
1: Yeah, like Kevin Fag did. I mean, uh, uh what's a uh, Paul Fake. Sorry, Paul Fag.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because honestly, and I'm going to talk about this in my shout-outs too. We've got a lot of through themes today. <laughs> um, there, you know, it. There's there's something to be said about not turning a blind eye and actually doing something. And I think that's what a lot of us don't do, and we need to start. Oh, yeah. So true. All right. Well, on that a very heavy note, we're going to turn it around, and we are going to go to the, the feature of today, which is geeking out about Captain America's Civil War and whether we loved it or hated it or where we landed on it. So I'm going to throw it to you, Ray. Where did you land on Captain America's?
1: War? I loved it. That's about as succinct as I can get. I've been, <laughs> but just to start off, I I loved it. I had maybe one reservation about it. I don't know. You're you can tell me if it's nitpicky or not when we get to that. But uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was great.
0: It was okay. Interesting. Whoops. No, I'm totally just kidding. <laughs> I <it> <laughs> Oh, um, I mean, I like <laughs> out the
1: gate, like what?
0: what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I want to go back and see it fifty bazillion times. I probably won't because that's you know there's other things that we need to do with our time. But if there was ever a movie I was going to go back and see two or three times in the theater, this would be it. I I had so much fun. End of sentence.
1: Were there exactly? It's, it's like so. <laughs> both of us, like you know, it's so good that it's just you're speechless. It's just like. I, I just – there were so many times where I just was – I realized I'm sitting in the theater watching the, the the screen, not wanting to blink. So, like, my eyes are tearing up – or we'll say that's why my eyes are tearing up um, –
2: <laughs> not
1: wanting to blink and miss anything. Just, uh, again, like my, like jaw like on the floor, just taking in the awesomeness.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Did you have a good viewing experience? Were you there with a, a rowdy crowd or
1: – It was a good viewing experience. Um, it was – the crowd was into it, but they weren't, you know, they, they, they didn't distract from, from the viewing experience itself. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was, it, it's only been a few times actually that I've been in a theater that was like very like obviously like populated by like hardcore geeks where, you know, Mm -hmm. we're standing up and shouting and cheering. Those have been awesome. But it's, I think we, just the nature of these movies and their popularity, I, I think it's, it's going to get harder and harder to find that kind of crowd unless you go to a screening at, you know, comic-con or something. Um, people are just into it. People are loving these movies and I'm really glad that Marvel is swinging for the fences and like make really like succeeding.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. For, for me, I went to see it with both Matt and, uh, my younger brother, Mike. And that was really exciting. Cause we saw it right after my, my podcast at mysterious galaxy. And, um, because we were down in San Diego for, for Mother's Day, and I have on one side Matt who's seen all the movies because I've taken him, and he enjoys them as movies. It's like, okay, this is a movie. I kind of remember the characters from the last movie. I'm really not completely following the fr- through line because it's just what it is, but it's a good movie. Mm. So that's that's on my left side. On my right side is my brother who is a geek, but he's very much like – where, where you and I are all into the comic books and the, you know, the movies and the television and, and adaptations of our favorite things on, he, he'll tell, like, he sends me a monthly Pokemon update <laughs> and tells me, all right, you need to go to GameStop this month and pick up this code so you get your free Pokemon. You need to sign up for this. They're like, I mean, like, that's the stuff that he reads on his, you know, time off and his breaks. So, so I'm sitting next to, and this is what I just I I forget that there are people like this in the world because I just don't I don't surround myself with these people. He did not know that Spider-Man oh, was oh. going to be in this movie. Oh, I wish I was sitting there with you guys. Oh my god! And Spider-Man is one of his favorite comics. Oh bookers. my god. <laughs> So for there to be suddenly Spider Man on the screen, my my brother loved it, oh. and it was so cool to be there.
1: Oh wow, that yeah, experiences like that make all the difference. I mean, for sure, I try when I can to set up a, a theater going experience with someone that I know was going to take something special from it, and it, it obviously, I mean, it makes it so much better. It really does. It really That's really cool.
0: does. So that was that was my experience. Um, you know, I I leaned over and kind of because I don't think he's seen all the films. Um and so I'd have to lean over and kind of fill stuff in a little bit here and there, but he was just, you know, it was like we we know each other so well and we click so well that it's I can I can use just like shorthand and he'll get it. So it was kinda of like, you know, who's that? Black Panther. Okay, got it. And it was <laughs> fine.
1: Uh I went and, <laughs> like like Oh go ahead, go ahead. No, I was
0: just gonna say that's all he needed to know and he was he was there.
1: I went and saw it with uh my my best friend and roommate Suzanne uh Walsh, who's also a great artist and gallerist. Um and she's, you know, she, she, she follows the, the, the comic books. She's, she's a, she's a, a Trekkie. So that's her jam. And it's funny you talking about your brother and, and like me thinking of Suzanne and how, how, I love how diverse geek culture is. Yeah. It's like, you know, it just, it splinters off into so many different interesting factions. But, um, but you know, she, she's been following the movies as well. And so we, we decided to just go, you know, late on Thursday. Um, and check it out, and both, it was, there was no, so I kind of liked that there was no, like, need to catch the person up to speed, I considered, Mm -hmm. I considered taking my girlfriend, and, and, you know, but it would be probably the first Marvel movie that she's seen, so I, I was like, uh well, you know, maybe at another time, I want to just fully, like, just concentrate on the film, and take it in, and geek out, so, Uh, It was cool to go with Suzanne because she was right there with me and we were just, you know, really, really enjoying ourselves. Just like, you know, just quiet, like silent, like fist pumps, you know, every now and then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Yeah, it was great. And I love that it was – people were saying before it came out, you know, oh, this is like – this might as well be Avengers 2.5 or whatnot. Um, Mm -hmm. But I love how much it was a Captain America movie at its core.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what people – lose and I think if you stop and you take a second to step back and you look at it as a Captain America film, it changes the film for you. Yes,
1: absolutely. I agree with that. Yes.
0: So that brings me to the the first question, Team Cap or Team Iron Man? You know, I I I flip
1: flopped. I went into the movie thinking, yeah, you know, Iron Man's a douche. Like, I'm totally, like, Team Cap. And uh-huh. at a certain point in the film, I, I mean, I've only seen it the one time, so I'm like you. I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm going to see it a couple more times. But um a certain point in the film, I was like, huh, what do you know? I think I'm Team Iron Man. Like, I didn't expect that. But then by the end of the movie, I was firmly in, on Team Cap again. So I, I actually, to me, that adds to it.
0: Yeah. Oh, and I'm just realizing we never did say that this is a spoiler episode. This is totally a spoiler episode. So we haven't spoiled anything yet, but we're going to. In fact, I'm going to spoil something right now. So if uh, you don't want to be spoiled, go watch the movie and then come back. This, nice. Discl- you know, time. we've we've covered it. we've covered our our butts. Um. So. Yeah, I was never I was never Team Iron Man. I don't think I will ever be Iron Man. I think um Robert Downey Jr is phenomenal and I I love the way he plays the character, but I've never liked Tony Stark and I've never liked Iron Man and I don't think I will ever be on Team Iron Man. Um but they did a very good job I felt of making his reasonings
2: yeah. yeah.
0: legitimate. Like I never I never thought okay, that just doesn't make sense why would you want to do that i i get why he wanted to do it
1: what swung me what won me over was when they made the argument that this is for the greater good it's not just about what you need to do this there's more at stake here and and so we can't always just be selfish and just and i and and i also kind of didn't like the way they reinforced that that position for cap with um spoiler with um peggy carter's funeral you know that whole clip or 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 that that quote that sharon reads recites at the funeral which is you know it's you've got to just plant yourself and say no you move that the the way that came off to me was like oh but that's a dick move when you're trying to like you know collaborate be collaborative and like you know what i mean like if we all if we all did that nothing would get done
0: No. And I get that. And my thing is, is I never really felt like Iron Man's position was wrong. I feel it was all an implementation. Like he did something wrong every friggin step of this thing. And that's why they had the problem. Like it wasn't because the idea of kind of an oversight of these very powerful people was a bad idea. It's just it was done wrong on every note in every moment. Like, and I think where what solidified me to Team Cap was how they treated Wanda. Okay, because she was, you know, and I've heard I've heard people with law backgrounds. Hi Kenny, talk about how you know the the legal background of all this and everything. But it's kind of like, but you're taking these people and you're taking away their freedom, and that's and I'm not talking about yeah, you should be able to go out and do anything you want. No, literally, they're putting her in, you know... House arrest. (laughs) Well, first house arrest, and then full-on restraints later on. You know, it's... This is not what this team should be, and so you're doing it wrong. There's got to be a better way of doing it, and not at one point did Iron Man sit down and go, okay, where's the compromise? And because he was already coming at Cap with this full... Like, this is what we're going to do. You're either with us or against us. Then, yeah, I do understand Cap digging in his heels and going, no,
1: yeah.
0: you have to not move.
1: And I like that they built each of their opposing arguments on things that have happened to them in these films. So, you you know, you you understand and connect with why they are where, where they are
0: on this. Right. And that... And that brings me to where I land on the Team Cap versus Team Iron Man, which is actually Team Black Widow.
1: <laughs> well, yeah and she does, she flips, doesn't she?
0: Well, she doesn't even really flip. she knows she knows what her feelings are and she does side with Iron Man initially, but it's because she sees that there's that need for oversight, but she understands why caps reacting the way. He is. And so she is the compromise. She is the one that's straddling the two lines and you know, she's going with the legal you know, she's her most of her foot is in the legal side of it, but she understands that being completely unflexible is not gonna get you anywhere and that the result is gonna be devastating. And so really I think she was the one who she was the one who was right in the entire movie. Huh. Man,
1: I can't wait to see this again. Um yeah, I, I, you know, I think Cap's point of view is very much based on his experience in, in his last solo film with with uh, Hydra infiltrating Shield, and you know him realizing after the fact that he wasn't on the wrong side, you know. Um, mm. And then Iron Man, of course, reacting to all his you know every mistake that every time he's tra- thought he was doing something really good, it ends up threatening the entire world of my <laughs> universe, so I can,
2: including this I can time, including but this
1: can have, time, you know, an effect on you after a while.
0: <laughs> Yeah, and and I, I I've also heard a lot of arguments that um it devolves from Cap being you know morally opposed to this this course of action to I don't want you picking on Bucky right I don't agree right no no I don't agree at all I think I think that he he didn't want Bucky to be running around and doing things he wanted to bring him in but he also wanted him to have a a chance at justice yeah. and and they did a they did a
1: good job of delaying that till the very end to where it became a personal thing
0: yeah it didn't come to become a personal thing until the very end and even then it was like but but you've got to understand a i believe that he didn't do it b he needs to be prosecuted if he did do it you shouldn't just be murdered and and c there's other stuff going on here that's a lot more important than killing Bucky. Yeah.
1: Well, he clearly did do it, so I don't think that was ever a, a question. But yeah.
0: Well, the thing at the end, yes, but but the the oh oh, um, oh yeah the the, the assassination yeah, of the yeah, king of Wakanda yeah, yeah. he didn't do.
1: Um. So I got a question. What, what you mentioned, uh, Wanda uh, being put, you know, in restraints. Uh. When I saw the the prison, I think they even refer to it as supermax prison at one point. Um, uh huh. It made me think of something, and I wanted to ask you, as as myself, as a former sub, and you as a, as a teacher, have you ever gotten <laughs> have you ever gotten to the point where you you lose a classroom because you're you're trying to enforce rules that you know are right, you know that it's the right thing; these rules are are the right thing to do, but the students are just not cooperating, and so you clamp down harder and harder and harder you try to anyway and the whole thing just kind of devolves into this like you know it because because the students really have the power in a classroom i feel like if, if the students decide as a, as a group to not cooperate there's nothing you can do really as right. a teacher and so i mean i i've been in situations early in my in my subbing you know career where i was like the next person that you know, makes a noise, you know, <laughs> gets attention. And I'm, like, writing down, like, half the class's name. like I'm,
0: <laughs> Yeah, because they're sitting there Go, I am Spartacus. No, I am Spartacus. <laughs> and I'm going,
1: well, you know, I, I started out with me doing the right thing. You know, like, we're taking a test, take this thing seriously. But then it quickly can devolve into, like, what am I doing? Like, I, <laughs> this is totally the wrong way to go about this. I'm not making sense anymore. Like, I've completely, like, given up whatever you know right I had in this argument
0: yeah you've given up the moral high ground at this yeah, point <laughs>
1: exactly, totally and that's what it made me think of when when I when they showed that that shot of them all in prison I'm like Tony you blew it like you
0: you know whatever. well and and that's why I love Robert Downey Jr because you can see on his face that he knows it. that m- he knows it yeah. he knows it and yet he can't yeah. just come out and say wow I messed up yeah
1: totally god so yeah. good um yeah, and I love that they gave stakes to each of the characters you mentioned uh the whole thing with Scarlet Witch. I loved what they did with her and Vision, um mm-hmm. which, you know, it did a couple things. It, it 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 mirrored their relationship from the comics or started to, you know, to hint at that whole romance thing. Right. Um but also they did such a good job of giving each character stake in in the in the fight beyond just Oh, I agree with Captain America. Oh, I agree with Iron Man. Like there was more to it than that, because um, and you see you saw that or at least I felt like like that started in the interplay and, and the scenes between both of them. So that when it came time for the big fight, when it came time to, to blows, there you know there was more emotionally going on for them, and they did that with a lot of the characters in very simple but effective ways.
0: Yeah, no, I mean just that moment where where the Black Widow goes, "We're still friends, right?" Um, when she's fighting Hawkeye and, and you you've got that feeling of you know they're they're doing what they need to do but they're not they're not trying to hurt each other they're just trying to they're trying to stop it and they're just not succeeding.
1: Yeah yeah and and when you know Vision and Scarlet Witch end up on opposite sides it's more than just oh you know I, I we disagree it's almost like a betrayal because, yeah. because they've started to form this bond already and they and they sort of they've They've come to like you know they identify with each other on 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 some levels so there's more to it It carries more weight. Uh, yeah. God, how much did Batman versus Superman really drop the ball? Oh, Jesus,
0: <laughs> I've heard so many people bring up you know, and it's kind of like at this point I'm just I'm just I just want that movie to go away. Yeah, bring
1: it up, <laughs> but I just can't help but just think of that you know in my memory, just be like, wow, what a stark contrast, like. I was trying to, you know, I was willing to to do the work to give it a pass, but now that Marvel obliterated, you know, everything, <laughs> any competition with this film, it's like, wow, yeah, it it only, you know, makes it stand out that much more for a failure in, in its own right.
0: Uh, yeah, the, the the average geek show just posted on their Facebook a, a couple days ago um, this great illustration of uh, Deadpool. In between a fighting Captain America and Iron Man, and he's like, "Guys, guys, remember Martha!" Oh, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, it's just so phenomenal.
1: Um, so what did you think about? Uh, well, let's let's talk about Spider Man first because uh, you you already mentioned your your brother's reaction.
0: I I love Spider Man. I'm I'm all in for his movie. I think. Um, when I saw the initial pictures of the actor, I was like, uh, he looks a little young. He looks a little bit like it's going to be hard for for him to to carry this part. I thought he did a phenomenal job. I don't – I know this is the unpopular opinion, uh, but I felt like Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man had the, the dialogue. Like he was the witty, funny Spider-Man. Okay. And I felt like this – they went a different direction. They didn't just – they didn't go intentionally funny. They went funny because – situationally funny. Yeah. Like his his lines weren't funny because he was being wry or witty. Yeah. They were funny because he was just so in awe of his positioning, which is definitely a characteristic of Spider-Man. Yeah. But – um, but it worked for this character, and it was a very different take. on the, It was a completely different take on the character, and I, I liked that. I felt it was refreshing.
1: I could not be more all-in for this version of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Um, yeah, yeah. I will even go so far as to say that the minute that I walked out of uh, Civil War, the previous versions of Spider-Man were dead to me. Um, as <laughs> the job as i felt toby mcguire did in the first couple you know raimi films and the things that i did like about you know andrew garfield uh, which were very similar to what you just you know mentioned um seeing this version is um for me i feel like it clicked so well that i instantly felt like those two previous were just like pretenders like It's almost like you know when you see something done the right way, and you think, "Oh yeah, why would you ever think to do it any other way?" You know, but but it's it's actually deceptively hard to do. And one of one of the things that really took it over the top for me, which again was like a "oh duh" kind of moment, like why didn't I ever think of this before? Was his accent? He's a kid from New York. He's a kid from Queens. And this yeah. is the first time that I've heard Peter Parker speak in a New York accent, in a Queens accent. It's so brilliant. It's such a no brainer, and yet it added so much to the character for me.
0: And it's something we just don't even think about because if you're not from that area of the world, you don't hear that when you're reading it necessarily.
1: Exactly. That just when I when I realized that, when that clicked in my head, I had the biggest smile. Um I, I i i like the banter i like that he's not i like that they're going young i like that he's not old enough yet to have enough of a sense of himself or you know a confidence in himself to be the wisecracking like i feel like that's gonna come you know what i mean like he's just got his suit for christ's sake like he's you know still figuring out you know how to be spider-man and so i love his take on how much they played up on the fact that he was so much younger than everyone else That.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, have you
1: guys ever seen that really old movie, Empire Strikes Me?
0: <laughs> that was one of my I, w- I would say that is one of my favorite moments in the entire movie. Is when when he when he uh you know, when he walkers uh Ant Man, that is that is my yeah. favorite moment ever. I got, uh, I
1: got those like creepy like heebie jeebies like you know, spider like across my foot kind of like feelings when when I saw him do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was it was awesome.
1: I just like their whole approach to the character. I like their whole in. I like that I'm totally down with Tony Stark supplying him with his costume. You know, it's a deviation that I'm perfectly fine with. Yeah, I just absolutely. love that they're establishing Peter Parker right away as a genius. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, oh, I'm so glad they did not utter the words, with great power comes great responsibility. I'm so glad. I was so scared for, like, a few seconds that that's where they were going with their conversation in the bedroom. But,
2: mm-hmm. but, you know,
1: he he found a way to put it in a way that a teenage kid would put it, uh, you know, in a not eloquently. <laughs>
0: you know? Well, uh, yeah. Well, and talk about talk about just like a heart wrenching moment when he's talking about how he could like he wants to join the football team. He wants to do all this stuff that would make him popular because he's not. And and he gets he can't because he, he knows he can't. Yeah and you're just like oh i th-. again that's tugging on those like we talked about it earlier today like that that kind of closeted geekiness that you have when you're growing up that that i think this generation just does not have to experience because you know it's now cool um but th- for those of us who's li- who've lived through it, we're just like, oh my god! Yeah, no, I absolutely loved him. I loved the fact that they just flat out—they just flat out said, you know, ants come in all shapes and sizes. <laughs> to uh to comment on everybody's marissa tomei right yeah marissa tomei. Yeah, her her uh casting and how everybody was like she's too young to play aunt may and they just flat out say Oh ants coming all shapes and sizes yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I know i have heard that a couple of times from friends saying ah oh, she's a bit too young aunt may shouldn't be that attractive i'm like what well, just get get with it like come on let's all move on please yeah,
0: I, I thought she was charming and I can't wait to see her in the Spider Man movie. And you
1: know Robert Dunn Jr. has signed on for that film as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's gonna be great.
0: <laughs> um yeah, what... he, I'm I'm so looking like I am on I'm on board for Spider-Man. I I'm glad that they're not gonna be giving us another origin story and they don't need to. Just give us a good just give us a good movie. Yeah, yeah. What how do you feel about the
1: other new character that was introduced, uh Black Panther?
0: You know, I, I thought that he was a great addition I loved how he had his own character arc even though it wasn't a lot of screen time for him yeah and I thought that they did a very good job of getting him from um, vengeance to justice yeah in a believable way
1: I, you said exactly what I was gonna say which is that I love that they gave him an arc I love yeah. that this was not just a trailer for his upcoming movie. <laughs> you see,
2: <clears throat> um, I
1: love, yeah, exactly. He went through a transformation as a person where he started with very ventral, you know, uh, intent. And then, as you said, ended up with Justice. That was, I thought they did a great job of that. I love that they made him like a badass. Like he, to me, he. this was like, he was like a uh, uh, snake eyes to like G.I. Joe. You know, where, like, yeah. where like Snake Eyes, like, is the quiet ninja badass that doesn't get a whole lot of time, but the time that he does get, you're just like, oh, man, I want to see more of that guy. Like, he's a badass. I feel that's exactly what he did with Black Panther. To 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 the point where I, I even noticed that uh, when he was running around and fighting and doing stuff, he never made any sound. Like, he was, like, truly, like, a ninja. Like, he would, like, jump. Like, they would show, like, Cap, like, run and jump and, like, land and, like, make a big thud. And then... Black Panther would be right behind him and would land. It would just be like silence. Like, I'm, oh, yeah. this guy's such a badass.
0: <laughs> no, he like he he was a cool addition. He was one that I again we keep saying this, but you would never have thought that we would get a Black Panther movie. Yeah. Like, who would have thought? Or it, or if it did happen, it would have been, you know, one of those horrible late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. You know, just. Terrible, what are you doing? This makes no sense. Movies,
1: It's yeah, just all you know, give away thanks that Wesley Snipes didn't get to make the Black Panther movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought I did, did a great job with him. Um, introduced them, gave him an arc. We have an idea about him, and like, I really am looking forward to that whole project, especially with Ryan Coogler directing, who you know, he directed. Um, Fruitvale Station, he directed uh, the recent uh, Creed uh, movie. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. like, they got they, they just got the right people making these films. It's what makes me so excited about them.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and he wasn't the only one who got a full arc. Like, I feel like most of the characters were treated very well. Yes. Like, it they didn't feel like, oh, here's a cameo. Yes. And the only person who did kind of really end up being a cameo player in my opinion was Ant Man and I think his role in the battle was so phenomenal. Oh my god. And so like I i couldn't stop smiling when he grew into Giant oh, Man status. Like <laughs> again, when did you ever think we were gonna see something like right. that? Like, it just so blows my mind. And Paul Rudd is just like he's the perfect character to play that person to play that part. <laughs> he
1: so is. I feel like you can see my notes here because the next thing I wanted to talk about was the big fight, uh, the big fight sequence uh, at the airport. And one of the things I wanted to focus on was Ant-Man because you're you're right. He, he did have the, the most cameo feeling kind of, you know, role in the film, but I love what they did with that. I love that he, his whole point of view of like being just happy to be there and just like excited. And to him, You know, he's not the hero, which if you watched his solo film, he's not. He's that's no, he's a former thief. And so, but because he gets to be a part of this whole thing, he's really, really excited about playing the part of a hero. So he's doing and saying things that he thinks a hero should be doing and saying. And it's so hilarious to see him get kind of like the sideways glances from the other, like people who are actual heroes to be like, what is this guy doing? You know.
0: Well, he, well, well, well. Where Spider Man is kind of a uh, like Tony Stark is presenting. Look at my new protege type of thing. Yeah. I feel like Ant Man is really just all the way around an unknown. Like nobody, nobody there knows what he's gonna do or how he's gonna do it. They just, you know, they just know from his battle in his movie with Falcon yeah. that he he can hold his own. And when he starts pulling out all these tricks that nobody expects, like. <laughs> I think everybody on both sides is just kind of taking a step back going what the hell is this?
1: i lost my shit at like the simplest little line deliveries of like that's right captain america like
0: it's
1: <laughs> just paul rudd being paul rudd you know just being hilarious yeah. and just a great take on the character um i you know when they were building up to him growing up to, to giant man size uh as he was looking down at his wrist i just out loud i couldn't help myself it was completely involuntary
0: i'm like He's going to go giant man. And like, he did. <laughs> See, I, I didn't get, I, like, I don't know where I was. I don't know what I was thinking. When he said I've only done it once before, I'm like, he's not going to go microscopic. That doesn't make sense in this situation. I, like, I I was completely blindsided. So when he got big, I just, I lost it. I lost it. I was like, this is so amazing.
1: So, so it's safe to say, I mean, I thought that the big fight definitely delivered. Like, I mean, they built up to that, obviously, in the trailers. I mean, the movie is called Civil War so you've got to have a big fight scene between these two you know, groups of superheroes and I'm like how is that not going to be anticlimactic because they obviously can't kill each other so you know that you know that they're going to work it out in the end so how are they going to pull that off and make it like interesting and not just devolve into like you know buff people beating on each other and knocking stuff down and wow did they do a great job
0: well and I think it comes back to that whole idea that they're they're still friends, yeah. you know, and, and they don't want to be in this situation and they're fighting for their ideals. And it's it's like when you get into a fight with a good friend of yours and you say things that you don't you wish you wish you hadn't said them, yeah. but you're there now and now you have to deal with it. It very much had that feel yeah. like yeah. it's like, I don't hate you. I just we you just need to understand where I'm coming or from. Or
1: Even worse, and, where you're like. I'm going to do this thing right now and I know that you're not going to like it but I hope you understand that I need to do this.
0: Right, you know? right, exactly.
1: Yeah, I th- I thought I mean they they surpassed my expectations which I even now I can't believe that I'm saying that. Um just the way all they balanced all these little stories and all these character moments and the fact that you know they all these characters come into this scene with already their own stories, and we know their motivations or whatnot. Um, all the cool little flourishes that I'm really going to be paying attention to when I see this again. All the cool little like individual like spotlight of like powers or abilities or whatnot. Spider Man being hilarious throughout the whole thing. Um, there was it was so funny. I feel like uh, again go back to Joss Whedon and kind of the template that he set. For for the tone of these things, I feel like the Russo brothers did a really good job of taking the template that he set in his Avengers films and improving on that, and sort of like taking it to the next level that it needed to be taken to. You know?
0: Yeah. Well, because I mean, let's be, let's face it the best the best lines really came from. I mean, as funny as Spider Man was, and as funny as Ant Man was, the best lines came between uh, Bucky and the Falcon. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, I could watch a whole movie of Bucky and Falcon.
0: And I never think of – because, again, I don't I don't follow the Falcon. I, he's not a character I'm terribly familiar with. I don't think of him as having that much personality, and I feel like they found a personality for this character that otherwise is just kind of a sidekick to
1: Cap. So I actually want to come back to this at the end because I, wanna, I wanted to ask you about what you see going forward, and these are two characters that I'm going to talk about more. Right. Um.
0: Okay, Zemo. I hope they do more with him down the road because they didn't we didn't we didn't kill him off. Right. So I felt like if this was my feeling is is he was not the villain of this film. Hmm. He was a catalyst in this film, sure. but he was not the villain of this film. The villain of this film was Tony Stark.
1: So wow, you're really team cap. Um so
0: so so stack Zemo
1: up against some of the other villains that we've seen in some of the other Marvel films. How do you feel he stacks up? I don't. Is there who's the most oh, I guess Loki would, would be the most interesting villain
0: so far? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean you've got to remember this like I, I don't know how familiar you are with him in in the comic books, but he's like the one who creates unless I'm I'm wrong, he's one of the, the big leaders of the Masters of Evil, which is right, Thunderbolts. Yeah, yeah. And they're the definitive they are the, the Legion of Doom to the Justice League. Right. To the Super Friends. Um and so if this is to to me, I am I am hoping that this is simply an introduction to him and that he is going to come back with the Masters of Evil at some point.
1: But but this but I mean it does stay true to setting up his character as a strategician, though, right?
0: Oh yeah. No, I thought I thought the character himself was not bad like i didn't have a problem with the character i just didn't feel like he was the villain he was not the person who was moving the story like he he moved the story along a bit like he had a key hand in some of the events but you could have taken him out of that movie and it would have you would have still had plenty of reasons to have that fight and to have the um the conflict like he didn't do that much that was substantial
1: i gotta say i disagree Okay. I feel like he was the perfect villain for this story. Um, and I have to say to, just to sort of put this out there I feel like one of the few uh, complaints that I can make about Marvel Cinematic Universe across the board is weak villains. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just feel like their villains aren't nearly as interesting as their heroes and they've done not a very good job of like you know investing us in the point of view of the villains. Um, up to this point. Um, we've had, you know, Loki's was really good uh, in, in a film or two there. Not as good as in the Thor movie, Um, but but the other kind of cosmic, you know, and different, like Red Skull, like, remember Red Skull? Like, that kind of, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, I just feel like the villains haven't been a strong point, and so with that in mind, I feel like this was the perfect villain for this story, because he doesn't have powers. He's It's like, the, you know, if you go epic, you kind of it becomes way less interesting. And the fact that this guy with no powers but a bone to pick, a very serious bone to pick, um, can orchestrate, you know, this this conflict or at least have a hand in it, I thought was a great way to have him impact this. Because it was just about him, you know, I don't know if it, if it had been fighting or if it had been something else. It, I, I don't think it would have had the impact that it had. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I really like what they did. Um, and I'm also keeping in mind the fact that I know we're going to be reviewing X-Men Apocalypse soon. And, mm. you know, reviews have started to come out, you know, some of them mixed. Some And, and, and some of what I've heard, this is no spoilers because I haven't seen the film yet at all. Um, but just what I've been reading out there is people are saying, you know, Apocalypse is maybe not the most interesting villain, you know, in, in this take. And so... I feel like contrasting that with a guy who just, you know, who lost so much in Zocovia and decided to, you know, through sheer force of will, you know, orchestrate this, this conflict, um, I thought was perfect. I thought, I thought it just shows how much you can do with a character, an interesting character with strong motivation and good writing, you know, where you don't need all the powers and you don't need all the epic, you know, end of the world stuff.
0: And I, I would, I would agree with the fact that, that, that makes him a very intriguing character. Um, I still feel like this was simply like his role in here was not as villain. He did push the plot along at points, but I think without some of those moments, he you would have still you you could have just had the the Sokovia Accords and that would have been enough to push the the plot forward. Um, I feel like this was a good introduction to the character. If they're going to do something with him later on, if they're not going to do something with him later on, and he was. Um, and we're looking at this as his villain moment, right? I feel it felt flat.
1: Would you have been satisfied if, at the very end, when they meet up at that uh, that base, that Russian base, I think, if he had pulled on a purple hood and, and goggles, would you have been satisfied
0: then? No, because I don't think that that was. What, I don't think that he had the motivation at that point. Okay. To to. Um, to go that direction, okay. he's not—he's not a Batman villain that's reacting to Batman by becoming right. a crazy villain. Right. I feel like that may be the next step. Right. The next step is, I can't beat you, so I'm gonna have to become the thing I hate because he like he kills yeah. the other super soldiers because he doesn't want any more
1: that was, super. That trips. was such a cool twist. I really, really appreciated that.
0: Yeah, and I like that quite a bit. And so I see his character. I hope the way that it doesn't take the character is that I'm going to have to become what I hate to to defeat you, and then gather a a bunch of of other super powered individuals that he can throw at the Avengers, knowing full well that um that he doesn't want, like he doesn't care about what happens to those minions because he hates super powered. Individuals, and then that becomes a very dynamic character. That's true. Yeah,
1: I I gotta
0: say I agree with that. Cool. Yeah. So so as as far as villains go, if if he was meant to be the the primary villain of this this story, I think mm, uh, you didn't give us much to go on. I think we could have taken you out of it, and it would have been fine. Um, and I again, I don't think Iron Man was an intentional villain. I don't think he was like I'm going to be a bad guy. I think he just he made so many mistakes that he's really the one that caused the conflict. He's the antagonist in this film. Okay. Where are we at? Do we want to talk about um do you want to talk about moving forward?
1: Um I yeah, one second. I I want to touch on um the ending or the resolution as mm-hmm. as, it, as it as it as it is or as it was. Mm-hmm. Uh uh I felt a little bit like someone should have died
0: yes well i i'm pretty sure that that was the original intention what do you mean um well the person in all of this that has the largest movie contract is sebastian stan really yes he has like a nine movie deal with marvel That's, oh, because
1: interesting of, i knew be, that that um chris evans has one more film in his contract after this
0: yeah the original uh, well i think i think this was supposed to be his last film I think Chris Evans was supposed to die in this one, and then Bucky was going to pick up the mantle and become Captain America because Chris Evans wasn't going to keep doing it. And I think my understanding is a lot of it's just because to look like uh, Chris Evans looks in these movies is not fun. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'm I'm sure.
0: Um. And I'm going to take my little moment and thank Chris Evans for doing the work, <laughs> for looking that way. Because, oh, my God, when he was holding on to the, oh, helicopter, the helicopter
1: scene. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's a beautiful I man. mean, I was
1: like, I was like, goddamn. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like I, I was impressed.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I got to say, probably also, you know, one of the things you can take away from Henry Cavill's Superman yeah. is, wow. So, I felt that the ending was not epic enough. I felt like, yeah, I was hoping somebody would die. You know, it could be to follow the comic version and be Captain America. It was Captain America in the comics, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or um, you know, maybe a twist and, and Tony Stark, something happens to him. Um, I, I was even thinking that uh, Rhodey was going to die. You know, they showed him.
0: Yeah, I did too. So,
1: so I don't know. I just felt like, okay, I, I do like that the film started in, in a very intimate way um in very personal stakes and then the big superhero versus superhero fight happened in the middle and then they brought it back to personal stakes and and a smaller more intimate battle at the end i really liked that i liked that they didn't save the big superhero spectacle fight for the end you know Mm -hmm. um but yeah i was hoping that you know cap would would Buy, someone would die so there would be some kind of more you know lasting like implication or something set themselves up to really work to then you know figure out the next story or the next phase or whatnot i really enjoyed the scenes between falcon falcon and bucky oh so good. i thought that was awesome and so my thinking was with captain america gone or or potentially sidelined at the end of this film with with um uh infinity wars coming up how awesome would it be to have, you know, uh, uh, maybe Falcon as Captain America because Falcon takes over as Cap at some point in the comics too. Yeah, yeah. To does. have Falcon as Captain America, uh, in maybe, maybe Infinity Wars part one or whatever they're going to end up calling it because they're changing the names. Um, and then him realizing like, I've got no powers. I've got no superhuman strength or anything like that. It's not enough for me. And then maybe them reawakening Bucky to, to fill into that role because Falcon just can't quite cut it. And then yeah. Steve Rogers coming to lead the charge in, in Infinity War Part Two.
0: I could I could definitely see that arc. I think when when Chris Evans was happy to to you know sign up again, I think they were like, all right, we're going to change everything and we're going to figure out a way for all these characters to fit back in. Yeah. And um, you know, I'm okay with that because again, I I I don't think it necessarily needed a a death in it to make it impactful. I do have to say I didn't like the ending from the Iron Man point of view because I felt like the whole you killed my mother moment felt very... Like, Tony Stark's not a stupid man, and I know he's narcissistic, and I know he's he's not necessarily best at decision making, but he knows that Bucky was brainwashed. He knows that, you know, he, he knows a lot more than than just I'm going to pound you because you I've just discovered you've killed my parents. And I can see if you look at it from the direction of he's just had so many failures up to this point that this is the final straw, but I feel like you have to reach a little bit to get
1: there. What about – I could be maybe reading too much into this, but I feel like when I talk to some of my friends who are like old-school comic book you know geeks from like way back they they want and, and i'm not saying this is necessarily you because it might not apply at all but i find that those friends really need their superheroes to be infallible where like you know this person is smarter than to do that or whatever but if i like that i like the flaws and i like them you know it, it, when I think of what they did at the beginning of the film to set up how much his parents' death has affected him and how it's still a traumatic thing for him,
2: mm-hmm.
1: to then look at the end and say, yeah, he knows that, but that's his mom. Like, he watched it happen on film just now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure there's there will come a time where he's like, oh, right, you know, like, but I mean – not leaving room for for his emotions to get the better of him I feel like really like you know
0: but I mean there's a difference between like pummeling the guy because mm-hmm. you're just so upset and going to I am now going to kill you and that was that was the that was the flip he went like I understand the emotional reaction of just I mean he has killed people before he blew up
1: all kinds of people in Iron Man one and two. Yeah, I guess, and
0: because I don't because I don't think it's an infallibility thing. I don't think I want him to be. I just for me it felt like too quick of a jump. Okay. Um, I don't know if it was just a pacing thing. I don't know if it was just. I feel like it was just. You know, he came to be. He came there to be impartial. Like he came in there to. He realized he had messed up. He went there to kind of get the full story. He went there. He's going right to this situation as kind of a, all right, let's talk about this. He's coming from a place of compromise. And then he just 360s into, or 180s into, um, into, you know, I'm going to kill you. And, and it just felt, it just felt like too quick of a flip. And it, it didn't feel like it had the build. It felt like, oh, you killed my mom. Now I have to kill you. And there, there, I don't know if it needed more dialogue there. I don't know if it needed more, um, back and forth I, right. there was something missing that made that flip feel too quick and too in no I
1: understand I, I feel like you got the feeling that I got frequently with Christopher Nolan's Batman films where it's like I get what you want the story to do next but you're just jumping to it like do a better mm-hmm. job of like connecting it or setting it up Right. yeah I, I get that totally cool <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm pumped to go see it again right now <laughs>
0: We should we should try and find a time that we can go check it out together, oh, like meet halfway and and just go see it. I'm down for that for sure. That'd be fun. Um, moving forward, where do you think they're going to take it?
1: Um, you know, it's I it's hard to say, and I like that. I like mm-hmm. that I can't immediately look and go, oh, this is going to continue in this. You know. Like you kind of did with the end of Avengers 2. You were like, oh, this is going to be picked up in Captain America Civil War. So I already know. I don't know because, I mean, what's even up next? Like I know they're working on Thor Ragnarok. And from what I keep hearing, that's going to be like a major thing where, where some major stuff is going to happen in that film. Um, like that, you know, major implications for the rest of the of the cinema, Marvel Cinematic Universe. So uh, I know that's coming up. Um, what else is coming up? Um
0: I mean, Doctor Strange. I'm sure that's going to start pulling the um, the. I I think Doctor Strange and Thor are going to start pulling together all the players. I think by the end of because I I don't remember if I've talked about it with you, but I have talked about it with several people. There's supposed to be 68 heroes in Infinity War.
1: But yeah, but I've heard that that was um like a like just a number that they were like kind of. It's not it's not completely accurate. They were just saying that it was
0: going to be a lot of superheroes. Uh, it seems like a very specific number. <laughs> um, but, I mean, like, if there's a lot of heroes, that's awesome, but I feel like we've got to start pulling them together at some point, point. and so I think Thor is probably going to introduce a good handful of them. Yeah. I'm hoping Doctor Strange will introduce a good handful of them, although probably fewer than Thor because we need to learn more about Doctor Strange. Right.
1: Doctor Strange comes out in November of mm-hmm. this year. That's nuts. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The next um, films to come out after that, is Guardians of the Galaxy 2.
0: Yeah, which I I, I don't think that the gar- Guardians of the Galaxy are going to like some people are starting to say that it's going to kind of like it's going to end with them seeing the Avengers or them landing on Earth or something along those lines and I really think it's probably going to I think we're going to see them at the be- the them meet each other at the beginning of Infinity War, not before. Okay
1: wow, I'm looking at this upcoming slate and things are happening so fast. Spider-Man comes out two months after Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which, wow, I mean, that's really coming up quick. Um, and then after that is is Thor Ragnarok, which, again, I've heard that that's kind of set. That's going to be the film to set up Infinity Wars. That's what I hear. Um, like, really, like, put the, the final like pieces in place. But between that and between Thor Ragnarok and Infinity War, we have the Black Panther film as well.
0: Right, and I think that might. I think where where Thor will put together the kind of the the final building blocks. I think Black Panther might pull the team back together because that's you know that's where they all you know Captain America is ending up in Wakanda right now. So yeah, yeah. I think that's the film that's gonna pull pull us into the the final stages like thor thor will set it up and black panther will push it into the the slot yeah yeah i think i, I don't think
1: thor uh ragnarok uh is gonna have a very happy ending <laughs> i mean it's called ragnarok yeah. so <laughs> i guess that's already implied by the title uh
0: well i i was listening to um my friend kenny's uh Podcast, and they were they were reviewing Civil War, and uh, you know so on on Dumbbells and Dragons they were doing uh, a, a whole review with all the the Dumbbells and Dragons writers, and they they were saying that there are two Infinity Gems left: the Soul Gem and the Time Gem. Okay. Now I think, and I could be wrong on this, but I think the Soul Gem is the yellow thing in Vision's forehead. Yeah. I, oh, I thought they already like stated that. Okay, so so then somewhere along the line I missed that because that's what I thought, but I didn't know where I got that. I just assumed yellow gem, android has feelings, probably the soul gem.
1: Oh, right, 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 yeah.
0: And so they have – But
1: that's the gem that came out of Loki's staff though. Okay. Yeah.
0: So then the only thing we have left then is the time gem. Mm Mm-hmm. And the, they theorized on the Dumbbells and Dragons that maybe that's what happens in Ragnarok. You can have this really horrible movie that ends – I mean really good movie, epic movie that ends terribly. But then if you've got the time gem, you might be able to undo some of that so that you have those characters to go forward. Right, 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 yeah.
1: And then in between – well, so the, the the space gem is the Tesseract, is the Infinity Stone, right? That
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: Where is the Tesseract? I don't even know where that is. Um, the, the mind gem is the one that's in Loki's scepter and that's the one that's in Vision's head, I believe.
0: Oh, okay. The
1: reality gem is, 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 is from Thor part two, the Aether, I think they call it. Okay. Yeah. And then the power gem is the one that, um, what's his name from Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, grabs onto at the end of that. So, yeah, you're right. We're missing the soul and the time stones. Um, but I don't think they've actually hinted to where those are.
0: Well, I wonder if we're going to get Adam Warlock in any of these characters because he's he's central to all the Infinity. That's true. All the Infinity titles, Infinity War, Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity Crusade, like it's all Adam Warlock. Now, I don't know if they'll just make like Do- Doctor Strange be that character Or if they will actually introduce Adam Warlock. But I haven't heard anything about that character in anywhere. And it's like, how do you do an Infinity War without Adam Warlock? (laughs)
1: Um, Well, we know that uh, Captain Marvel is coming after Infinity War Part 2, so that will probably be wrapped up by then. And then then in between the two Infinity movies, we
0: have Ant-Man and the Wasp. I mean, Which I'm really looking forward to. I oh, think I think Ant Man has become my favorite Avengers. They
1: it's just such a good job of like giving you different flavors. So like whatever you're into, you know what I mean? Like for some people Thor is like their gem. That's the thing they like, the you know, the whole Shakespearean, you know, otherworldly stuff. And then for people who want the more like gr- gritty or or not gritty, but you know maybe more grounded approach, you have like Ant Man and the Wasp. Like how amazing is that? That you, you know it's like a geek bounty. Yeah, so amazing.
0: Well, any final thoughts? Because I'm I don't know what else we can do other than just repeat over and over again how much we love this movie. Yeah. Anything else that you can think of that we've missed?
1: I mean, I'm sure there's going to be stuff. I'm going to see it again a couple of times, and I'm probably going to call you up or, or, you know, email you and geek out about something, some little tidbit that I noticed. Um, (laughs) But but it's all gravy at this point. I mean, it's just so good, enjoyable from beginning to end,
0: you know? Yeah, I I think they're doing such a great job. And uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I just finished uh, Daredevil this last week. And so I went basically from Daredevil into this. It's like I'm, I can't <laughs> – I'm 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 not never running – they've got me to a point where I'm never running out of uh, comic book stuff. Yeah. Like I've been watching Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and loving the direction that's going. Yeah. And I
1: just
0: – Marvel's nailing it on the head. Back
1: to our point. Like we're so spoiled. How can you be angry? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> take a minute to think about that. that. That's what we can end with. Just take a minute to think about – All the cool stuff that's coming out and even, you know, whether they they nail it for for your specific taste or not, just the fact that it's out there and available, you know, that people are trying to figure out and give us what we want is just amazing. So how can you how can you be angry?
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Completely agree. Well, thank you, Ray, for for. Once again, uh, geeking out about the movies for us. Any shout-outs? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I do want to give a
1: shout-out to uh, my best friend and roommate, Suzanne Walsh. Um, again, a, a great artist and gallerist in her own right for, for tagging along on these geek adventures with me. Um, also to Matt Haley, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, a comic book pro and, and illustrator extraordinaire who has got a lot of great stories to tell. He's going to be at a comic book convention soon, and so it's really cool to live vicariously through his, you know,
2: <laughs> his adventures
1: <laughs> in the comic book industry. And finally, I want to give a shout out to Crescent City Comics. That's the comic book store that I visited uh, while I was in New Orleans a couple weeks ago. Uh, great people there turned me on to some really cool comics, um, and I just had a great time there. So Crescent City Comics and everyone there in New Orleans, thank you very much for that.
0: Very cool. We'll have to to tag them in a tweet and let them know that you uh, mentioned awesome. them. That's cool. Yeah. Very cool. I have one shout out today, and it's going to be a little bit longer because in the in the vein of geeks needing to behave themselves and uh, and do things that make geeks look like human beings, um, the just recently there was the DreamHack tournament. It's a big gaming tournament. And it's covered on Twitch. I don't know if you know what Twitch is, Ray. It's like a video game streaming site.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it.
0: Yeah, and so um, they, you know, it's, it's known that that Twitch chat is is a, a terrible place. You know, there's often very horrible things being said. But it kind of reached new levels this past weekend at DreamHack. Just racist, a beyond racist, just just horrible. How can you say this and be a human being? Kind of things, and I wanna I wanna give a shout out to the cast of the Angry Chicken podcast. It's a Hearthstone podcast, who basically in episode 150 called geeks to task and said, you know, you can't just close the chat and ignore it. That it's gotten to a point where wow. Twitch definitely has to do something about it. But we as as individuals have to say things like that's not appropriate whether you're getting trolled or not because when it goes unsaid the people who are being treated poorly are feeling like that's what everybody is saying and we need to hear that positive we need to hear people say that's not appropriate and i think we've got to stop being afraid of saying that's not appropriate and um and so i wanted to give a a shout out to the angry chicken even if you're not a a Hearthstone player. If you are a Twitch streamer or you consume Twitch content, uh, listen to episode 150 of the Angry Chicken because they they really do a good job of talking about the issue, and um, they get they get emotional and they get upset, and I think that's a completely justified and realistic reaction to have to this kind of situation. So,
1: great. I definitely
0: yes, yeah, yeah. So I'm throwing it out there. If you don't like the if you don't know the Hearthstone stuff. Um, it can zip ahead to, to when they get to that that part of the conversation. But, you know, if, if, if you're curious, it's a great game and it's free to play. So so there you go. That's my shout-out for for this week. Um, coming up next week, where I, I know I said I was going to do it this week, but I didn't want uh, Civil War to to get away from us. So we, we did a quick switcheroo of the schedule. But for the next two weeks, we will be releasing the audio from the Mysterious Galaxy bookstore event. So, you know, we've got two podcasts coming up. With that, and then we will be back here with you, Ray, talking about X-Men Apocalypse.
1: Pumped for that. So excited.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if you saw my... uh post this morning about what Jay and Miles said about it. They basically it's not a great movie, but if you're an X-Men fan you're gonna love it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I saw that but I didn't click on it because I just one, I'm I don't want you know spoilers for X-Men Apocalypse. Not that they would do that. But two, I'm also not cut up with Jay and Miles. So there's two things to avoid <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well there's no spoilers for either. Like it's very much just kind of uh this the the what is the tone of the movie and did it exceed or did it succeed or did it fail? And they're basically like as a movie, it's not good. So when you see all those poor reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic, they're justified. Okay. But if you are an X-Men fan like the two of us are, yeah. you'll appreciate what they're doing and you can you can enjoy it as a fan even if you can't co- consume it as a movie connoisseur.
1: Okay, cool. Then I'll, I'll give that a listen later. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm i going to come back with, thought, with opinions in hand as you know. <laughs>
0: Very cool. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. You can currently find us at geektitude.com, as well as on iTunes and Stitcher, as well as Google Play. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you would like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude or me personally at EpicGray's. Ray, remind us where we can find you.
1: I am at rayvargas3. Uh, dot com. Uh, I'm also at rayvargas3 on various social media sites so whether it's facebook or instagram or tumblr or twitter it's all at backslash ray vargas and then the number three thanks again so much ray
0: for joining us it's always fun to have you on this
1: is great we seem to not run out of things to talk about so pretty much business as usual
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely and for all of you listening out there remember this week keep it geek